0: This is Jordan Van Trump of Farm Tank. Farm Tank is an organization I formed for individuals and business owners to learn the latest in innovation, execution, and motivation. I believe there's a huge demand for hearing how others have become successful in life. I'll be traveling the world talking to some of the most influential CEOs and founders to help everyone learn and be more successful in their near future. The agricultural community has been extremely grateful to me and my family, so I'd like to do the same for everyone else and share my insights with you. With that, coming to you live with Farm Tank, Jordan Van Trump. Hey everybody, Jordan Van Trump, Farm Tank. Super excited to be here with Molly Bloom. She's our keynote speaker at the Van Trump Conference. Um, I just want to ask you a few questions today. Uh, let's just start with your upbringing. I saw the movie; it was great. I think we have similar dads, but uh, tell me about the skiing and how you were brought up.
1: Yeah, well, I had I had two parents who passionately parented from pretty polar opposite platforms. So my mom was all about doing the right thing, being compassionate and being kind, and sort of used life uh, as a as as a teaching ground for that. Um, and my dad was like you know, you want to leave this world empty, right? You want to go big and you want to be excellent. And he was hard driving and he got so invested in us at a young age that sometimes it was not pleasant, you know? And growing up, I had a tough relationship with my dad because he was harder on me than he was on my brothers. And I, I interpreted it as he didn't like me as much. And then much later down the road, we had a, you know, we sort of had to come to Jesus, and he said, "Look, I, I've been a psychotherapist for forty years. I know how hard the world is, and I know it's even harder for women. And I wanted to make you formidable." So it's interesting. You grow up, you're a kid. You know, you have these parents who are our age now, right? Like, I mean, they're they're young and they're trying to do their thing. Um, but my dad was really hard on us, and he was really hard on me. I mean, I remember one summer, he uh, he was teaching me to get up on one ski, water ski, and he that. He wouldn't let me back in the boat until I got up on one ski. I was in that water for seven hours. And even though I was angry as a child and we didn't get along, I really, and this is what you and I were just talking about, I'm better for it, you know? He forced us to walk through fear. Like some kids get grounded if their room's messy or if they did We got in trouble if we let fear keep us on the bench. And, you know, that early child, those, those exercises early in childhood where you understand that fear is this mechanism in your head, and that just because you have resistance to it doesn't mean you should not walk through it, you know, and and understanding that being fearless and courageous is not the absence of fear, it's doing it anyway, and then walking walking that path, all of a sudden you have this expanded world, you know, that's much bigger and much more limitless than before, and so even though it was, a diff- it was sometimes difficult to have that hard-driving parent, and um, sometimes it feels a little bit you know, more prickly and like they don't like you as much if you don't do as well, like, I feel like I'm, I'm better for it.
0: Yeah, I agree. We were just talking about my background a little bit. Um, I think, I didn't tell her all the story, but I think we really have a lot of similar upbringing, parenting-wise, sports-wise. Actually, just got out of school in May. I was gonna to go to law school, just oh, like wow. you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, decided against it, same as you. Uh, just tell me about that decision. Don't
1: start running poker games, Jordan. <laughs> <Not for the laughs> we'll learn from your shouldn't. mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. Um, I was a competitive skier. Um, I came from a family that skiing was everything. Uh, at 12 years old, I had a spinal fusion, so they fused top 11 vertebrae in my back together and put two metal rods in there, and and I decided that I still, against doctor's orders, wanted to um, ski moguls competitively, and I made the U.S. ski team, and I was uh, nationally ranked, internationally ranked, third overall in North America, and I made it to the Olympic qualifiers, and I fell and injured myself on that run. I literally Skied over a, a tree branch, a tiny little pine bough tree branch.
0: Just saw in the movie. Everyone who hasn't, I've seen the movie. Yeah. If you want to see a real visual, <laughs> it, she said it's very accurate.
1: Yeah, and um, and that was that. And and I was in school at the time. I was finishing, my, you know, my last year and a half of school, and I was headed to law school. Um, but tripping over that stick and and having like the the dreams and my plans all sort of interrupted was a really jarring rattling experience you know like when you think you know you know this when you're serious from the time you're little about sports and you think that's going to be your career, part of your career path and then, you know and all of a sudden it ends overnight you got you got some work to do um, on grief even and so I decided to take a year off and go to Los Angeles and um, just wanted to be warm you know I've been chasing winter forever and I went to Los Angeles and got the first job that I could waitressing job, and I got hired like two weeks later, the guy was like, you're a terrible waitress, <laughs> yeah. and then he offered to hire me as uh, his personal assistant, and um, one day he walked into the office, and he said something that sounded pretty innocuous at the time, but ended up completely changing my life, and he, it, the, the statement he said, he's just like, I need you to try to look decent and serve drinks at my poker game, and um, so, you know, I'm for the poker game as I didn't know anything about poker so I'm googling what kind of music do poker players like to listen to and what do they eat you know I'm trying to like mm-hmm. try to figure out what I'm walking into and I'm thinking like you want to be
0: the best just yeah, like you were right, at skiing that's, that's me right. like I was taught how to be the best at this I want right. to be the best of that
1: right even if it's a small task of serving drinks at a poker game like you want to walk in there with edge right and
0: have competitive advantage perfect. we talk about that all the time
1: right yeah. right and interestingly enough, um, as a young girl from Loveland, Colorado, who knew nothing about poker, my competitive advantage was that I didn't know how these things were supposed to look, feel, you know what I mean? So I had a, I had a, I had a wider lens. Anyway, so I get to this game. I, I think that they're probably going to be overgrown frapplers or whatever. And then Leonardo DiCaprio, Ben Affleck, the head of the biggest studio in town, the head of bank, politicians, like all of these people start walking in this room. And I have this light bulb moment of, oh, my God, like, I don't, this is not a situation that a 22-year-old girl from Loveland, Colorado finds herself in. What an incredible way to build a network. What an incredible accident to have proximity to this kind of capital and power and information. And so I really wanted to stay there in the room. And then at the end of the night, I think I got, like, $3,000 for refilling drinks, you know? And so for the next couple months, I you know, I taught myself the game of poker. I wanted to know the rules and the objectives and what was so compelling about it. But then I really spent the rest of that time period examining the players, what was driving them, right? Why were they in this room? What were they looking to gain? Because these were guys that could have gone and done anything, right? They had full access and all access passed to life. And they wanted to ritualistically, return to this room and play this game. And what I landed on is these guys didn't want things anymore. They wanted experiences, right? They wanted escapism and, and oblivion and, and to walk in this room and feel like James Bond for a night. And and so I started to build on that fantasy. And I started to think about it in a real comprehensive way, like from from every angle that I could. The, the, the chip consistency, the weight and the texture, it matters. Want people to get into a flow the way the room smelled you know steve wynn has conducted a whole investigation into scent science you know all these things matter these factors i hired beautiful women to you know serve food and drink. details
0: yeah. my dad always told me the, the details, details matter
1: and it's making people feel special right mm-hmm. i don't care how rich famous what everybody wants to feel like they're getting a personalized experience like they're being made to feel special and you know, I and then um I started to pay attention to the economics. Like at that time the game was ten a ten thousand dollar buy in. And I I really thought that a fifty thousand dollar buy in would contribute more to the overall experience. So just you know, just looking at it like we're like we're saying the details, the a more holistic, comprehensive way.
0: Yeah. Tell me this, what was the best time of your life?
1: It's honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's now. Um, back then, those days were incredible. You know, I, I, w- I went from being in my brother's shadows. You know, I have two incredibly accomplished brothers. One that, as um, a six-time world champion, two-time Olympic skier, and got drafted, drafted fifth round to the Philadelphia Eagles. My other brother is a Harvard-educated cardiothoracic surgeon, and, and I just didn't know how to, to matter. And all of a sudden, I find myself in this position where I'm taking over. I'm becoming the owner-operator and the bank for the biggest poker games in the world. You know, they're my games. And I'm and I'm managing the risk, and I'm, I'm managing everything, and I feel powerful, and I'm, I'm making so much money. And I have pride of ownership, and I'm going big, and I'm gambling, and it's all paying off. You know, it's like this like it, it was a real David versus Goliath moment, um, those early years. And um, you know, my life looked like a movie. And then it got dark, you know, because something happened over time where it's like the more I got the more disease, you know, it was never enough. The money, the the power, the access, it was never enough. I, I Constantly grasping, living in the future, I, I wanted more and more and more, and I didn't know how to manage or control that. And um, I grew my business so big that I it, it was completely unsustainable. But, you know, I saw someone lose a hundred million dollars. I started doing drugs and drinking a lot, and I ultimately broke the law and took a rake, which in you know oh. lay, layman's terms is I started taking a percentage of the pot, which I wasn't licensed. to. And I got arrested by 17 FBI agents and thrown into a uh, pretty serious federal indictment.
0: Would you say that was the worst time of your life? Or
1: would... Yeah. You just, really? Yeah. So that was... The seven years of, of digging my way out of that. You know, I was, you know, I ultimately became a convicted felon. My reputation was destroyed and drug drugged through the mud in every tabloid out there. And I was millions of dollars in debt. And I'm like, you know, and also, it's all my fault. You know, it's all my fault. Um, so you know, that's when you pull from that, you know, athletic career that you learn. That, that's when you your father's voice is in your head, like, get back up. You know, that's when that inner warrior that you cultivated as a child in sports and and were sort of forced. That's when you got called call upon, that strength, and that's what I did. And tried to look at this wreckage and figure out what's the best logical, pragmatic strategy. And I really felt like the competitive advantage, the, the, the only survivable, monetizable asset was the unique story. You know?
0: Yeah, tell me this. What is the biggest misconception about you today? Today? Yeah.
1: Um, probably that I'm fearless, you know? that I just like don't experience fear and then and, and that's not the truth it's it's what I said before it's that um, I just do it anyway um, you know uh, previously that there I don't know because it's hard for me I, I would say that that's the, the thing that I find when people ask me questions is it's so off but I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff out there about me I just don't read the comments
0: you know yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about this a little bit. You ran the games for highly successful people. Did you get to know them very well? I did. Okay, so tell me this. What was their competitive advantage? Why were they so successful?
1: Um, grit. That,
0: that you saw? So. great Okay.
1: Um, just like a fixated... Addicted. Yeah, basically. Addicted to ambition. Nothing's going to stop them. You know, um... A lot of them are smart, but not all of them, Mm. you know, some dude that late in my game made a fortune from just creating, you know, like he was an electrician and then he created this, like, I mean, he's smart, right? But like, he did go to Harvard. That's what I mean. Um, it doesn't have to be like it, in my experience, it's not the, the like Ivy League or the most talented person in the room that gets ahead. It's the person that just refuses to
0: quit. Yeah, one of our business partners, he's here today, Bear Ersek. Mm-hmm. Done a podcast with him. I'm sure many of you heard it, but he had a kid at 18. Wow. Um, decided to start his own business in the lawn business, and he went out, grinded it out. Mm-hmm. People told me he was an idiot. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to work. He just kept doing it. Eventually ended up selling that for like $3 million, $4 million. Mm-hmm. Started another business. Sold that. Like at it. a
1: young
0: age? Uh, he sold it around my age for wow. around three or four million, and then went on, sold another business in about 30 for $20 million. Now we're business partners today, and he's uh, trying to get that up and running. But uh, his thing he was telling me about is you can be good at anything and make a lot of money doing anything. You just got to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. I think what happened with me is that um, once my game became the best game, I, I started another game to compete with myself. You know, like, I wanted to be, I wanted my, I wanted to compete with myself constantly. I, I wanted to keep pushing the envelope and keep improving and keep um, building on that. Um, yeah, I, I think that you don't rest on your laurels. But I, I, I'm telling you that the reason that I was, that I'm saying, like, now is the happiest I've ever been is because I have started to understand balance. You know, I've started to understand that you can't completely venture humanity and the things that matter as a human being. The connections you have with people, the relationships, sleep, you know, like you've got, it. it's, it's I mean, I really think that when I was younger, it was success or death, period end. And there was a while because of that where it was neck and neck. We didn't know, you know, what was going to happen. Um, and I just can tell you that I wasn't happy, even though I was successful. and No one that I was around was happy, even though they were the most successful people in the world. So I think that that balance is so important.
0: What about, uh, I've heard like people brought in Picasso paintings, mm-hmm. not just money. What was some of the craziest stuff you saw brought in? Like, I'll just throw this on the table. Yeah, though.
1: and I was always like, no, I'm not, because I'm not in the art business. I'm not going to get involved, you know? yeah art gold bars that was easy um i got offered like cars property deeds um i'm sure you know now today's day it would have been all cryptocurrency too but um jewels you know i and and but in my my estimation if you can't put the cash up you shouldn't be playing right
0: i agree i agree so tell me about you now. What's what's going on with you now? Are you just speaking? Uh, just business. Taking a
1: little bit of a victory lap, Jordan. <laughs> just um. Yeah. I'm. Um, I'm speaking. I'm writing another book. I am developing a show called Redemption with Molly Bloom, where we go around and interview high profile people who have, you know, screwed their life up and, and survived it. And I want to get to sort of the causes and conditions of why we walk in. That you know, and then how we get out of it how yeah.
0: we, uh, mistakes you make, yeah, you know, learning from it. right?
1: because yeah. I mean, if we can help someone else skip that learning curve, you
0: know, yeah, I think yeah, a uh, <laughs> big thing of my dad is he's made a ton of mistakes, and
1: yeah,
0: it's helped me learn a lot too. I mean, I've obviously, I've definitely made some mistakes in my day, right? But uh,
1: it's all it's, all, it's helpful when people get real transparent about things that they've done, it sticks with you, you know, oh like, great. Maybe I don't walk into that trap. No. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, there's, there's a lot of profound meaning to me to be able to get up and talk about and get honest about the things that I've done and, and, you know, give this message of inspiration that, like, even if you screwed it up so bad, you can you can come back, you know? Um, or give the message of even if you're 22 years old, you don't know a damn thing about poker. You can go up against the billionaire boys club, and you can you know take over their game. Like I, I just like to to get out there right now and give these messages of of inspiration and redemption. Uh,
0: one thing I like to touch on on my podcast is what's the best piece of advice or lesson you've learned throughout your life, and what's made the most impact on Molly Bloom.
1: Um, I think the best. He's the best insight, um, and it's made the most impact on me. Is that you do not have to be the smartest or most talented in the room to be the best. You have to outwork the competition, and you have to outthink and be just willing to get back up time and time again. I think that was a, a, a radical revelation for me that you could walk into this room of like you know people who were top of their class, Harvard, right, and still out
0: Let's end with one more question. Uh, we're going to get Molly on the stage here in a bit. But last question I got for you is I just want you to finish this sentence for me. Molly, B- Molly Bloom is.
1: Tired. Just kidding. <laughs> um, optimistic, always optimistic.
0: You want to expand a little bit?
1: how dark or how light or I, I just I believe in opportunity I believe in people I believe in second chances I believe in doing the impossible I'm just super optimistic about humanity
0: awesome well I appreciate you doing this podcast with yeah. me we're gonna get you on stage and uh, now I
1: have nothing to say Jordan <laughs> 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 I hope could, uh, that's gonna be like wait where's her personality yeah
0: um we might have just missed the whole thing everyone <laughs> might have left but uh I appreciate you coming and doing this for us. Family appreciates it, and uh, I think that's it for our farm tank session today.